wasn't that the best part about uh, um, Shannon Sharp? Shannon Sharp. Shannon yeah. Sharp. Yeah, they that he just knew how to shut his mouth. Well, I mean, he shut his mouth for 15 minutes straight. He I, he was trying to say, "Don't cancel my ass." All the people you're talking about are the most powerful people in the business. Like I'd I like think to, was, I'd like to come back and have a podcast next week. Yes, <laughs> but also, Cat told him this is going to be probably your biggest episode, which it is. It dropped yesterday. I was watching it. It, it by the time I listened to it, like four hours later, it had like four million views. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I listened. To, I, I'd watch it all the time, um, but it normally gets like 1.1 million. Yeah, yeah. I listen. Thousand. I normally drive and because I'm always in the car, so I'm always listening to the podcast. He's one of the podcasts I listen to um, when he has somebody good on there. It depends on who he, he has. has on he has some no names that I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes and I'm like, I don't know these people. He does, but I like him in um, Ocho Cinco. They really? uh, they do their. I like Ocho. They do their uh, nightcap, nightcap nightcap thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. Yeah. I don't like the nightcap. I can't get into it yet. I haven't given him a fair shot. He looks too cool. <laughs> you know how cheap his ass is. Have you ever? Did you hear yes. this? I oh. heard Ocho. He said, "Look how good I look," and he goes, "This was seven dollars at." He shops at Target. That's what he says. He will wear he will wear a watch. That's he'll he'll tell you in a heartbeat. This is a fake Rolex. This uh -huh. is a fake chain and all that. And I mean, to a certain degree, I I understand. I understand the mindset of that. Like you know, not to knock anybody. If you're into materialistic, you're into materialist things. It's what you like is what you like, right? But a watch is a watch. Your two hundred fifty thousand dollar whatever watch you got on. And my Apple Watch, we're telling the same thing. Yeah. Your $500,000 car yeah. up front in my Honda Accord, yeah. we're going the same place, you know. Well, I respect them, but I can tell we're recording. So might as well start a little intro okay. here. All right. <laughs> so welcome, everybody. Uh, this is Matt Ryan with uh, All Roads Lead to Real Estate. And this is our first recording here in 2024. So happy new year. And I wanted to uh, to say thank you for joining me. I have a wonderful guest here who uh, I saw on your shirt as we came in on the back, your slogan, which I must admit I didn't know. I wrote it down because I thought it was awesome. Um, change is possible. Yes. And so that's just an amazing message to have. I mean, we're in real estate, right? So some people would think, what in the world is that doing on a realtor's shirt? Right. Um, but I think after we listen to this podcast, people might be clued in a little bit as to why that's something that is important to you. For sure. And so... Um, and I'll be honest, we were just talking about Cat Williams and his podcast. And so if we can get 4 million views and listens and downloads in the next 24 hours, we can compete. So We're winning. Here we come, Cat. <laughs> I, I was coming. You better know all the dirt on everyone in the show business because uh, that's the only way we're getting those numbers. <laughs> I know some dirt on the real estate business, but we won't go there. No. <laughs> you never know. Um, we are drinking water. That's not going to do it. Um, Cat Williams, I think, was drinking... Uh, cognac. Uh, cognac, exactly. Yes. Yeah, he was getting there a lot faster. Um, so I want to at least give you a little bit of an introduction for those that, that do not know, uh, know you. So your name is Eric Clash, and so you've been in real estate for, what, 20? three years now 23 years yep so 23 years so you've been doing it for a little while and you're here in maryland and so you started as an investor and you transitioned into just really the buy and sell so as a realtor right representing other people and so you've been very successful you've been able to to really make it to the very top so you're in you know you're a fellow like top 500 agent in the state no top what five percent maybe yes uh, in the whole state and so you're doing really really well and and I get to see you around occasionally and this is my first proper sit down with you to learn about you so I was commenting some of the guests I know 
pretty darn well by the time they sit down and talk to me. And you're someone that I'm so eager to talk to because I hear about you, but I don't know directly what your journey's been and what your story's like. And so this is one hell of a way to get to meet somebody Absolutely. properly. Absolutely, man. So congratulations on all your success. And so, um, you know, as a flipper turned realtor, I think you're going to have a lot of good experiences to share. I know some people that listen to this are starting their real estate journey and to hear from people that manage to struggle because the vast majority of realtors fail. These are facts. Um, and so those that manage to make it, it's always interesting to hear your journey, your story, what made you successful, um, because I think we're all a product of a little bit of of all the people around us. Absolutely. And so I think that'll be really interesting to hear. And so, and you know, some of your story and why I think it's going to be fascinating is that you've you've overcome some adversity in your life and just not only where you grew up, but kind of your your struggles in the inner, you know, the young portion of your life, right? That adolescence and and transitioning and transferring your your energy into a super positive wonderful space where you've managed to be successful and build a big business is incredible. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing let's all about it. it. Let's do it, man. So let's do it. So as we get into it, I'd like to know kind of your original journey. So we know you're successful today, but I always like to know, cause you can tell a lot about who you are today by where you started, right? So you're, you're, fe you're fellow Maryland native. So you grew up in Baltimore, right? Correct. And so what part of Baltimore? Uh, Northwest Baltimore, Park Heights. Park Heights. Yep. So how would you characterize like the neighborhood and, and kind of where you grew up? Um, so I grew up uh, born 1978, and that's where I grew. I mean, that's where I was born at, in that neighborhood. Um, and coming up, I grew up single mom, you know, raised me, only child from my mother. And when we were growing up, my mother used to try to keep me in one confined area in front of the house or my grandmother probably lived maybe not even a quarter of a mile. I could, I could walk to her house once I got a little older. Um, so it was either at my mom's house or my grandmother's house. But even if I was at my grandmother's house, I couldn't come off the block. Um, didn't quite understand why, you know, at the time. Right. But she just said, stay here, stay on the block, stay around here. Don't go off this block. Don't go up the street. Not knowing that up the street was, quote unquote, a bad area. Right. Um, so, you know, I was young hearing, you know, coming home late nights with my mom. My mom worked at Social Security for 47 years. Um, part time. She did gift wrapping in Macy's. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I knew a lot of people that did that. Yeah, in Owens up. Mills. Yep. Um, when Owens Mills Mall used to be some fun to go to as a kid, you know, and um so my mom pretty much, you know, it was just me and my mother growing up and I, she always in, kept me from an environment that, of course, I wouldn't want my child to be in now. Um, and she did a good job at it as, as much as she could do. Um, but what was around there was um, when most people, you know, in my environment growing up, wanted to be a part of because that's what we saw, which was drugs, um, lifestyle, you know, fancy cars, things like that. Because listen, there wasn't no, I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where there was a doctor and a lawyer that was next door to me, or even, you know, a kid that was in college going to that. I mean, I didn't even know what college was back then. You right. know, um, the things that people that I saw that looked of value typically were people that looked like me color wise, but had, um, you know, fancy cars, fancy clothes, 
And then once some of my friends that were more or less my age who had kind of left off the block before I did, started coming back wearing the fancy clothes and all the things that I wanted that I had to ask my mother for. Right. And I hoped and pray that she would get them for me. Right. They were just getting it whenever they wanted. And right. I'm like, well, how are you guys doing this? Right. And it's like, listen, dude, it's just, we're selling drugs. You know, maybe that wasn't the exact words, but sure. in so many words, that's what they were saying. Um, so immediately I wanted part of that. You know, I wanted part of that because like any kid, you know, you're influenced by the perception of what you see, you know, even, Hey, look, even adults to this day are still influenced by perception. Um, so I, uh, figured out a way to get away off the block from, uh, from what my mother used to tell me to be at. Right. And once I did that, it was like opening up to a whole new world. And that world was at the particular time I thought, which was fun, it, which it was okay. I can't sit back and I'll be a liar to tell you that I didn't have fun right. growing up in this neighborhood. Um, but I saw a lot of things in this neighborhood. And then my friends, a lot of my friends life wasn't like mine. You know, my mother was going to work every day, coming home and providing as a single mom, raising a child, um, where some of my friends' parents, they were just as, they were in the streets just as well as the kids were, oh, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, my mom, I, I, my mother was the house like where I could go over to my friend's house and we could have all the parties and do everything at their house in front of the parents. And it was no problem. That wasn't going to happen at my mom's house. She wasn't allowing that. Um, so, you know, fast forward to probably, you know, late teens um, when I started kind of indulging into that lifestyle. And one of the good things is for me, I come from a Christian background. So I always had like a foundation, I would say. So even being out there doing all the nonsense, I still believed in God. I still value prayer. I still did these things. Um, of course, I did it in secrecy because I didn't want my peers to see me because it right. makes you look weak. You right. Know? Sure. Um, so my mother, my school, because I grew up in Park Heights, my public zone school was Northwestern High School, which is right off of Park Heights and like Falstaff. Mm -hmm. And my mother, I went there for one week. My mother was like, you're not going to, she did everything in her power not to keep me to that school because she knew that I wasn't going to make it. So I ended up going to city, Baltimore city over in Northeast, um, which, you know, by far is the best public school in Baltimore city still to this day. Yeah. Um, so I graduated from city college in 1996 um, I barely graduated. I did not cross the stage because I had to go to summer school. Oh, that 12th year you yeah. had to go. Yeah. 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 I had to do the summer school thing. Cause I was just, you know, doing everything other than school. Um, but again, just being caught up in the lifestyle. <clears throat> so as I begin to, let's say I'm now 18, you know, I'm now moving up. As getting older, now I'm leaving out the house more, doing what I want to do in life. But you're still at the house, like you have. Still living with mom. Got it. I'm still living with mom. Um, and but you know I'm I'm 18 now, so you know it's just it's, and by now I'm far from out the block or the radius that she wanted to keep me in. I'm, I've already been out of there. Yeah. I'm now you know living this lifestyle right. in the streets. Right. And but I'm kind of on the fence. I'm going to school. I'm going, I'm catching the bus before I had a car. I'm catching the bus, catching the bus, getting off the bus stop on Park Heights, 
running home, not even home. I'm, I'm not even home. Taking my book bags, putting it in a vacant house. Oh, wow. Not a house somebody lived in, a vacant yeah. house. My, my school books, putting it in the vacant house and then now getting right onto it of selling drugs in the streets. Wow. What was the drug of choice back then? Um, some people would call it crack. We called it ready rock. It was just yeah. different names for it, but yeah. that was in my neighborhood. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's what we did. You know, it was, you know, a bunch of kids out there up to no good. Right. Um, what we thought was living the life and having fun and making the American dream because to us, that was the American dream to us. Right. That's what we saw. Right. Nice cars. We didn't even see big houses because we didn't know anybody who had big houses. We just saw big cars, jewelry, fancy clothes. And since I didn't have an upbringing that exposed me to that, I've just learned about it, read about it, watched shows about it. You're doing the bidding of someone else higher up on the food chain at that point, Correct. right? The people that have that have really made it. Correct. That are up at the, and you're just looking at them, just saying, how do I get up there? Correct. But you're the one on the front line that if anything goes down, you're the one on the hook and they're behind the scenes. Correct. Correct. And you're just getting a taste. Getting a taste. Um, But, you know, there's, there's things that, you know, when you look back at it as an adult, when I look back at my youth and child, there's certain things that kind of stick out a little bit more to kind of help me shape the character of where I am today. Um, you know, I always say, you know, in real estate or in business, period, I always say you either have it or you don't. Not everybody has it. Not everybody can become in this real estate world and become successful at it. Not everybody can be the LeBron James. Not everybody can be, you know, the Beyonce's or whoever, you know, right. not everybody has that. Right. For, for me, I look back at certain things like, you know, um, drive and hustle. I've always had that. I remember when I was a kid, younger, probably maybe 11, 12, and this isn't right, <laughs> but I, my grandmother used to go to, every Wednesday would go to choir rehearsal at church and I would go with her because yeah. uh, my mom was working and um, I would steal pencils from the church, but I would then take the pencils and go to school the next day oh, and sell oh. the pencils. Oh, yeah. So, you know, as much as that sounds like, oh, you're stealing pencils from the church. But when you look back at, you know, now and I'm looking at like, but that was a business though. Yeah. That was an early start of a business. It wasn't right. But the fact that I had, I'm 10 years old, not, maybe 10, 11. And I have a nine year old son right now. And I don't, he's definitely not stealing pencils from the church. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, to have that mentality, to think about that, to go back to school and sell it to the kids in school for a quarter, whatever it was, because we used to play pencil fighting right. and all that kind of stuff. It, it was a business. Right. Um, fast forwarding to when I get out of high school and you know I'm in this lifestyle and I'm selling drugs, um, I am figuring out ways to be better than the competition. Um, I am also paying attention to the competition. And what I'm learning from the competition is that the competition isn't really what it seems to be. It's more of a perception thing. You start finding out that certain things like, you know, the nice cars and the shiny items are just what they are. When it comes down to the money aspect, certain people that I was admiring and having all this, you know, uh, kind of looking up to it, didn't right. have what I thought they had. Um, so that began to make me realize, like, that's not the person I want to be with. So 
with that being said, I figured out a way to do it very, very well. And, um, and this is not to glamorize and motivate somebody to go out here and live the life that I live, but this is just a story, right? Right. And if we can sit here and talk and be, you know, tell the story, I have to be honest about it. And I got really well at it and I did a good job at doing something that wasn't right. Um, to a point where I got too good at it and along in between all that, you know, there's a lot of things that come with the lifestyle. There is, you know, the cars, the traveling, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I, I was doing things where, you know, I look back now, you know, going to, um, uh, Mike Tyson fights and stuff Damn. like that. So yeah. You, yeah. I was 19, 20, 20, 21. Holyfield, Lennox Lewis fights, no. Vegas. Is that because you just had the cash to do it and you just, you wanted to go all in and just live, embrace the whole thing? I mean, who, why did you get the, I guess, I don't like, why, what made you want to do something like that? And just, it's just because you could, it's just a matter of, a I have the of cash both. now? Yeah, it was that. And or did you want to show to try to recruit other people? No, I definitely wasn't to recruit. I, I would be sitting here lying and telling you it was a marketing reason. It was no marketing at all. No. It was just more of the lifestyle. Indulgence. It was indulgence. It was some of the, my peers that I were around were a lot older than me and they had already been experiencing this kind of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I want to be part of that because I'm watching these guys and I'm, you know, I'm hearing their stories. I want to, I want to, I want to make my own story. So I want to see what it feels like. I'm, you know, 21, um, you know, first time in Vegas and I'm at Lennox Lewis and Holyfield fight and we're sitting, you know, very close and we're living it up in Vegas, yeah, you sure. know? Yeah. Um, real estate at this particular time was not in my vision. However, I can honestly tell you just to go back again to how sometimes when you look back in life and you kind of have that moment when you start to revisit your, your upbringing and stuff. I remember as a kid always drawing pictures of homes, right? Always. And even in my eighth grade, when I graduated from middle school, my eighth grade, they asked all the kids, what did they want to be when they grew up? And I said, architect, I want to be architect, you know, yeah. didn't know what architect was, but I just yeah. thought it was like, okay, I, well, I, let me shouldn't say I didn't know what it is. I knew that it was, had something to do with designing homes, even though that's not the only thing it right. is, but that was the reason why I said it. Right. Um, so now I'm out here and I'm, you know, I'm 21 living my life. Um, let me, let me kind of drop this as well. You know, I was, for I own a bar and I wasn't even old enough to drink. Wow. Part um, owner, I assume you didn't own the whole thing. We were partners, yes. I was oh, partnered, wow. yes. I was partners with somebody. Wow. But the person I was the person I was partners with, we couldn't we couldn't put the liquor license in his name because he had a felony. Couldn't put the liquor license in my name because I old. wasn't old enough. Jesus. And so we ended up finding somebody that we quote unquote brought in as a partner because he was clean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yes. So That's crazy. So what kind of money can, can you make back in the day selling crack like that? I mean, can you make big, big money? Like in now that you're an adult making good money again, it's like, do you, was it excellent or was it just, you thought it was good at the time? No, it was great. It was great. It was great. It was wow. great. It was great money. Um, it was great money. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> You're not going to lie about Let that. Get a glass of water. <laughs> it's not like you have taxes to pay either. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's something. It was great money, um, but it wasn't just the money too. It was everything that came with the money, right? Yeah. Which is still today, whether you 
doing it illegal or you're doing it legal. There's things that come with making money. That's power. There is attention right. from, you know, all kinds of sorts of people. There's negative attention. There's positive attention. Sure. Um, so it was all that. And when you're young, you know, you're, you, I don't care who you are, you're looking for that. You know, we're still looking for it as adults, but we've learned to, well, not all adults, but some of us have learned to weed out what, what kind of attention we want. Right. Right. Like we know that, you know, if I'm a married man, so I'm not looking for a bunch of women, you know, to be calling me and calling my phone. But then when I was a kid, yeah, absolutely. Why yeah. wouldn't I not? Yeah. You know? Um, so it was those kind of things that, you know, I found myself at 21 uh, doing and involving into this lifestyle. And, you know, what comes with that lifestyle is good and bad. Um, I lost a lot of friends along the way. Um, you know, I lost a lot of uh, uh, money along the way. But, you know, when it's how I have to ask, like, what do you, how do you lose money? Is it simply like a deal goes bad or you get a, get something and you get, you get robbed or something, you know, like, yeah. Things yeah. Like that? Um, yeah. Deals go bad. Um, people, you know, run off with things, do things with the money. Don't come and there's back. No way, there's no one to call. I can't call. Yeah. You can't call the police and be like, Hey, yeah. you know, this guy just yeah. ran off of my drug money. Yeah, you're kind of <laughs> screwed. <laughs> you know? He, yeah. Um, and then the problem with that lifestyle is, is which a lot of people face being in this lifestyle is the choices that come with that lifestyle. And that's all, that's always the issue, right? Cause in life, you know, the one thing that you have is choices, right? You can, you can, you can create your choices, right? We choose to be here to talk today, mm -hmm. but what you can choose is the consequences. Um, and that's the stuff that comes with that lifestyle, right? You can go out here and you can do the things that you sought out to be, whether you want to be the biggest drug dealer in the community or whatever it may be. But the problem is there's consequences that come with that, you know, and, and most of the time it's death or prison. Um, thank God, you know, obviously I'm here, so I didn't get the death part, but, um, I did get the prison part. Yeah. Um, and I knew that. I knew that it had to come, right? But of course, nobody wants to face reality. You know, nobody wants that to come. But I can't keep living this life that I'm living. I mean, I can only imagine here people that manage to to avoid both. And it's like, how in the world do, do you get out of that? Because if you're making great money, you I'm assuming you're doing a little better all the time, most of the time, or it's going up. Right. Like, how did, how did, did you ever see anybody just gracefully bow out before they got shot or before they went to prison? Just say, you know what? I've made good money. I'm good. No, no. Like that's not really an option. No, it's not. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's not an option. I mean, it, there's very few people. I don't know anyone personally that I can say didn't have either one of them. It was either, you know, some people passed or some people, most people went to prison and the people that changed their life did well. And then there's still the people that went to prison and came home and went to prison again and came right. home. And, and that's the rest of their life. Right? And that's going to be the rest of their life. Correct. Yeah. And then the kids go to prison or the kids lose their life because they are following the cycle. Right. Um, but again, my upbringing, because I didn't have to do that. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's right. Right. But I have friends, friends to this day that are long out that lifestyle. However, their upbringing was totally different than mine. Their mom, right you know, strung out on drugs, right. you know, I have a good friend of mine to this day, you know, um, and, you know, it, I'm sure he'll see the podcast cause I'll let him see it. But, 
you know, he doesn't mind me saying this. I won't say his name, but, you know, he always tells me, you know, because him, his mom and my mom, was, his mother was an addict. My mother yeah. wasn't. My mother worked at Social Security. I was the only child. He had multiple multiple siblings. Yeah. Um, but he always says the biggest thing from him was is when he came home from middle school and saw all the furniture sitting out in his front yard. Wow. He didn't know anything else to do but go to the streets. Yeah. You know, me, that wasn't my situation. I didn't have to go to the right. streets. It was more or less I wanted to know why mother why my mother didn't want me to be up there. And then once I found out what's up there, it's like, you know, curiosity kills the cat kind of thing. Like, I'm curious. Let me see what's going on with this. And then when yeah. the friends start showing that, I'm like, okay, I want to be part of this. Yeah. But not knowing at the time, you know, not knowing what's in you, um, the drive and motivation or or, or the the kind of person I was yeah. at the, as a child, because I didn't have it all together, right? I can sit here and tell you this, and I still don't have it all together, but I have it a lot more together than I had then, right? Sure. But I can understand now why I did well at that lifestyle because the drive and hustle was in me. I'm still that early bird person, you know? Yeah. I'm still trying to get up around. I'm still trying to out beat the competition. Well, I just, it, what I hear out of your story, cause I haven't heard any of that before from you. So it's like the commonalities between the successful people I've had a chance to interview doing this process and this podcast over the last year. It's like, there's so many common threads in the commonalities. Like I grew up on a dairy farm wanting what everyone else had, not having it in my mind, right? We all want something else and not knowing what's out there. I had one neighbor growing up who uh, we're still friends to this day, but his father was a very successful salesman and he sold and he, I'd never forget, he had a million dollar commission check and he put it on his fridge for like two weeks. Wow. And, you know, it was just, my jaw dropped. I, I was like 10, 12, 13 years old. I still remember it on the fridge and just hearing, and that was his, it was like this aspirational, but I'm telling you the difference of what they do in some of these professionals is no different than what people do on the street. Correct. It's right. Like the government is some of the biggest hustlers that there ever all was. Day long. And so it's like, and I think with podcast and with all this new information and Twitter or X or whatever you call it these days. And it's like, there's so much information. I think a lot of us are waking up a little bit yep. because we used to just be sheep. And I think more of us are starting to understand the reality of what's out there and the drug companies and all this other, like I worked for pharmaceutical companies for seven and a half years. And I can tell you they're, it sounds a whole lot like what you're pushing, except right. they know right. who to bribe and who to make this stuff legal. Correct. But Correct. that hustle is the way I would describe myself. It's the grit, right? Like everybody doesn't have it, you know, and the people that do have it typically. And once you tap into it, you're typically good. Whatever you're pushing real estate, podcasts, music, clothing items, whatever. Even if yeah. it's down to the illegal stuff, it's drugs, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. right? If you have it in you and you tap into it, because that's the key, tapping into it. Because people have it, yeah. but not everybody can tap into it, you know? And yeah. then you have to have the discipline that comes with that, right? So for me, you know, going back just a little bit on that life. So once I realized that, you know, um, as I'm growing levels in this, in that lifestyle, um, you know, I'm getting more cautious about, you know, how I'm moving. So I was the guy who um, kind of got off of the materialistic things very early. Is that because um, those are the first people that get called up? That and because I think what scarred me is because a few of the people that I thought really had it didn't have it. 
they were flashing it, but not. Yes. And when there's times where those people might have came to me and wanted to borrow from me and I'm like, well, hold on, I should be borrowing from you. And you're now asking to borrow from me and you got the nice car and you got the nice watch and you got the nice clothes. You got the nice woman. Mm -hmm. Nah, something's not right. I don't want to be that. So I think that kind of stuck it. Matter of fact, I know it did. You know what I mean? Because. Again, even when I'm talking to you, like, you know, and I've replayed these scenarios a million times in my head, especially when I was incarcerated because I had nothing but time. Yeah. So I, you know, I replayed this movie a million times in my head and was like, okay, well, where did I go wrong? Where did I go right in this? Right. But once I realized that that has been my drive and motivational force to this day, you know, and even in the real estate space, you know, I am, I still carry a lot of the same kind of habits yeah. Not exposing my hand, trying to be as low key as possible, um, not concerned about what others think about me, not concerned about what others have. Yeah. I don't care if the agent is out there doing, you know, 100 million a year. I'm OK, because I also know that there was a guy or, that was out there doing way more than me in that lifestyle, but didn't have way more than me because yeah. he was spending sure. all his money. So you telling me you did 30, 40 million in real estate last year. Well, what's the bottom line look is? What's your bank account look like? You know, what's your assets look like? You know, that in today's world, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think that is not I think. I know that is uh, that keeps me grounded in this business. You know, when I go to, you know, these top producing uh happy hours or parties or whatever, and you know, I'm in there with people. Um, such as Matt Ryan's and stuff like that, that are, you know, doing well for themselves, which is great, you know, and I'm not knocking anybody for what they're doing, but, you know, I'm very in my own space. I'm all very, is like, okay, yeah. that's cool. You know what I mean? But I can't really give him or her credit, you know, in my own way. I'm not saying this yeah. to nobody. I'm just saying this in my own, like, you know, I'm not asking to see your bank account, but I'm like, you know, it may not be as what it really is. You know what I mean? Cause I've been, I've seen, I've seen that play out so many times right. that is not really what it thinks, what it really is. You know, yeah. the saying is, is everything that glitters is in gold. Oh um, yeah. Kanye had a few good lines. Um, that was one of Kanye's. Oh yeah. By the way. Oh yeah. Of course I know. <laughs> um, but my, it's funny that you have this, uh, like I go to these same events, but I think, I think we're way more similar than we are dissimilar because I've had to go to such extent because I don't even put myself out there on social media, like pretty much ever. Because I can't stand the the glitz or that it, to me it's fakeness. If there's an inauthentic inauthentic component of this business that I still can't swallow, and I feel like an outsider more than an insider, and I'm more of an observer than someone that's participating sometimes. Right. And so I literally go down. If I I I run my mouth about real estate all day. That's why I didn't want to podcast solely about real estate. Right. And I have to like friend these people, but at the same time, I don't see their feeds. I've learned how to like not see any of these people. So you won't see any real estate on my personal like Like, scroll because I, I get this crazy. I'm so driven and I'm so competitive and I'm all the things you were describing about yourself that seeing anybody else do anything drive me bananas. Right. I can't, I can't do it. And then it make puts me in this negative head spin and I'm like, I'm doing okay. Like look what you're saying, like, I don't want to, what uh, Gary Keller has a saying, he's like, don't judge other people's outsides with your insides. That's right. And it's kind of like an interesting way to think. I don't know if he created it, but I heard it from him. But the point is, it's like, that's a, that's a way that I internalize what you're describing. No, I, I'm at, listen, dude, I'm, I'm with you on, you know, you know, the, 
full transparency, man, I'm, you know, a black man. Right. And, you know, I grew up in an again, in an environment that based on my environment and based on the statistics of my environment, I shouldn't be here. Right. Me yeah. and you shouldn't be having this podcast. Um, but because I know I'm in a space that, you know, sometimes, you know, people look at it differently because of my background, not necessarily my color, my race, but just because of my background. You know, when people find out what my background is like, I would have never thought that. Well, that's a lot because of I've learned to, you know, I've learned to work and I've learned to use my personal self and I'd rather Matt meet me and not be concerned about what I was in the past. Right. Cause you know, people are judgmental. Yeah. I mean, to this day, this, that, that doesn't change. That's an, I mean, it's probably, it's more adults that's judgmental than kids. Right. Cause when we were kids, we didn't really care. We didn't understand what judgmental was. We didn't understand what hating or the term right. hating was when we were that's kids. That's all learned. That's all le correct. That's all learned behavior. That's not instinctual. That's correct. Yeah. And I think there's a, I think there's a, I think there's two sides of jealousy, right? I think there is the side where you're jealous and you're just very um, spiteful and jealous. Like you, you know, or for black words, you're, you're a hater. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, I don't want to see Matt go nowhere. I, I can't believe he got that many deals or he got that. And then there's the other part where it's, I wish I had, you know, I wish I had that. Damn, Matt did, or Eric did that. Yeah. I wish I did. Nothing's wrong with that because to me, that's the motivation. So I'm with you. I'm on social media. If, if I was not, um, the, if I was not in this realtor space and I was just solely an investor, I probably wouldn't be on social media or I would be on there just more or less for observing right. purposes versus marketing purposes. Right. Um, because again, my personality is more laid back. I'm learning like this person, me being talking to you is new for me. Like I'm learning to do more of this. I've started doing this maybe two years ago, um, just at speaking at different, you know, realtor events and stuff like that. But normally I was trained to not take pictures. I was trained to not talk about, you know, your business. I was trained to, not, my mother to this day is still that way. Yeah. Right. Not, not the taking pictures part that came with the lifestyle, but just the yeah. fact of, you know, never let your left hand know what your right hand is thinking. Sure. She, she still says that to this day, you know, so I still have that in me in a certain way. So I still try to move a certain way. I don't want to be the guy driving around in a Ferrari and everybody's looking at me. That's, I don't, that's not me. Now, nothing's wrong with that if that's what you like, but I don't like that kind of attention. I don't want to be the person that walks in the room and everybody's stopping to see who's that guy because he has on this or that that's standing out, you right. know? Um, I don't know if you saw the movie American Gangster. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you remember one of the key parts in that movie was when Frank Lucas came to the fight. Um, it was a boxing match and Frank Lucas came in and he was wearing a chinchilla. I do remember that. Yep. With a chinchilla hat and his wife had a chinchilla coat on, but not just was it, that he had the chichilla coat where really made it stood out was because he sat in front of the Italians who was known to be at that particular time, the mafia who was known to be the major people yeah. in New York. Here's this black man sitting in front of the Italians wearing a $20,000 coat, but not just him, his wife too, yeah, yeah. with a hat. And we're talking in the seventies, well, $20,000 coat in the seventies, you know, yeah. 
sports players wasn't making that kind of money. Right. right. It's cost of a house you're Correct. wearing around your neck. Yeah. But the point I'm making is, is, and that's what led the DA to say, we need to investigate who this guy is because he's yeah. somebody. He's not, no, we don't know him being on TV. He ain't playing on nobody's sport team. So the point I'm making is, is in my world, um, and even to today with real estate, that's kind of where my mentality has always been with just doing me and staying in my lane, you know? Why? Because I think we're like leading into something here. So you've managed to still in your early 20s, you're getting really good at this, right? You're saying you're being successful. You're, you're, you know, the business acumen's gone up and you've said you have two options, either death or incarceration. Like how, like what happened to ultimately lead to the downfall of, of what you were doing. So, um, yeah, so I, I, you know, again, I making all this money in the streets and, you know, dealing with all the, the notoriety that you get, the fame and all that, the, the you know, the you were locally famous, I went, like between like locally, like within. Yeah. Would, yeah. I would, I wouldn't want to use the word famous. I guess I'm, my humbleness won't allow me to use that, but <laughs> yeah. people, I knew Infamous. people. Yeah. I knew people and people knew me, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but what did it was is I got indicted in by a federal grand jury in 2005 um, and got incarcerated and was gone for five years. And while I was gone, you know, and again, I'll, I'm sure as we go on this podcast, I'll continue to revert back to this because this is a very major part for me, like my mom and my upbringing. Right. So. Before I got incarcerated, I got incarcerated in 2005. The last time I touched drugs, um, illegal drugs, um, was in 2003. Okay. So I'm clean for two years. I'm trying to do the right thing. I, oh, wow. Um, yes. Yes. So yes. you did try to exit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I tried it. I tried to exit, right? The, yeah. the thing that we talked about that very few people don't get to do, right? Or they do, but they exit not the way that they want to exit. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to click because again, I know I wasn't brought up that way. I didn't come from that background. You know what I mean? That's not the background I came right. from. I have a loving family on both sides, my dad and my mom family. Um, so I have that supportive family. So I didn't need to do these right. things. Right. So I always had that in the head as much as law as I was breaking, I was always trying to figure a way out. And, you know, I was always not just trying to figure a way out for myself, but I also was always trying to figure a way out for everybody that was around me. Right. Um, you know, and if, if they were here today, they could honestly say that I always talked about how are we going to get out of this? We can't do this forever. Right. Right. So in 2003, I kind of threw the towel in. Right. I thought I had enough Saved money yeah. to do, throw the towel in and try to do something right. So I got into construction. Well, let me let me slow down for a minute. In 2000. In 1999, I had bought my first investment property. In, in Baltimore? In Baltimore. Okay. Yes, 1999. And I had a cousin who is um, much older than me, um, but he always did everything the right way. You know, he worked for UPS. He was in the Army, but he was the cousin that is, he's like, uh, he's little, he's maybe like 15, about 17 years older than me. But... um. When I was young, young, he would come and get me on the weekends. I'd go hang out with him. I was that little cousin. He would hang out with me. And then, of course, you know, at, at certain times, he's like, oh, you got to go home. You can't yeah. hang out with me too late, right? Yeah. So, um, but I always admired, like, he had the sneakers. He had the nice car. had his nice house, nice little townhouse to himself. But he was doing everything right, though. Yeah. Um, so, he came through the neighborhood one day, and I bought my first house. And actually, 
I used him to buy my first house because he was a realtor at the time. And he did he, everything. Realtor, yes, use, he was driver, all, UPS, he, was all, he did everything. He was yeah. all of it, right? So he said to me, he said, listen, cuz, he said, you, you can't do this forever. This is not going to last. You're going to either, you know, die or you're going to prison. And that was, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? He was like, you got to start selling real estate. I'm like, whoa, you know, is this what I'm doing with this house that you got me buying? He's like, yeah, this is what you need to do. You need to buy more of them. Yeah. You know, so he's telling me what I should do. Right. So um, that's the beginning of me starting to even think about real estate. Cause again, yeah. I wasn't thinking about buying or selling the houses. Right. Um, so I bought my first house in 1999, my first rental property in 1990. Actually it was a flip. Now think about it. It was a flip. I bought the house. I sold it. So started buying more houses and, you know, selling them mm -hmm. and keeping some as rental. But again, I'm new. I'm doing it like all the new beginners do. You want to buy cheap and it doesn't matter where you want to buy. But, if, you know, at that particular time, I want to buy in the neighborhood that I'm growing up in or hanging in because I know everybody in the neighborhood. I know if somebody breaks in there, it's easy for me to find out who breaks in it. Yeah. Everybody's going to know it's my house. Right. So they know to keep, you know, keep an eye out on it, that kind of yeah. stuff. Right. So the first couple houses I bought were in the Park Heights area because I knew the neighborhood. Um, so I started buying the houses and then he's telling me, he's kind of giving me a little bit of instructions on what I should do, how I should do, buy yeah. the rental, but I'm doing everything cheap. I want the cheapest, you know, I buy this and we're talking 99 and I'm talking, you could buy a house then for $5,000 and I'm not talking $5,000 in ran down. My first house I bought was on Pimlico road. Um, and I paid $5,700 for this house. And when I say, 50, was it livable? It wasn't livable, but it wasn't, if you think 5,700 today, that's like probably a shithole, right? Yeah. No, this wasn't like that. This was 5,700, maybe have to go and put some paint on there, change the carpet, yeah. redo the kitchen. Minor stuff, yeah. Cosmetic stuff, that kind yeah. of stuff. Windows is good, that kind of stuff. So anyway, I bought the house, did a few of those houses, you know, at that price range. Um, but fast forward, and I don't want to hold this, hold it up too long, but fast forward to back to 2003, um, when I decide to throw my hands up and stop selling drugs and I have some money, I decide that, okay, I'm going to go into one of the guys that I had met between 99 and 03, um, was starting to do contracting work for me. He was doing the work for me on my properties. But what I realized about this guy is, is he didn't have the business. He had the handwork of doing the contract work, but he didn't have the business mentality. So I saw an opportunity. Dude, we can start a business here. We can do home improvement. Got I got the business. I got the money to fund and float the jobs till we get checks and draws in. And I have the ability to go meet the contacts and bring in the money. You just got to do the work because I have no idea how to lay drywall right. and all that right. kind of stuff. Right. I didn't grow up that way. So I don't have that clue. So we started that, you know, three. And now I'm like completely out the game. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to push. You know, I went and got my truck and all that kind of stuff. And then in 2005, uh, February 2nd of 2005, I woke up to the DA knocking at my door um, and I got indicted. Five ended up, you know, fast forward and got five years um, in prison. Now, I mean, how did, but for, if you're out of the game for two years, how do they show up? Is it just, they, they like the federal government, <laughs> they're just tracking you for years before they did anything? Yeah. Well, so there's no statutory limitation on the federal government. You know, the government can come back and get you from. Now, keep in mind, my indictment ran from. I want to say on the indictment, it was from 99 to 2004 or five. Might yeah. have been something like that. 
So, I mean, in that period of time, they can come back all that in that period of time. So I ended up um, doing five years. But what I did promise, you know, my mother, um, because, again, man, you know, the most now keep in mind, I am kind of giving you I'm trying to give the audience a better understanding of what I was brought up as. Right. Again, I'm, I'm not brought up as the kid who mom is strung out on drugs right. or, you know, I'm watching my father's in prison. He's doing all this time and I have to go see him every week and all that. That's not where I came from. Yeah. I came from a Christian background, hardworking mother, you know, give me anything I want, you know, to a certain level, spoiled, you know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of background. Right. Now I am sitting in, you know, I'm, I'm getting humiliated or I'm humiliating my family, I would say, by walking into a federal courthouse building handcuffed, Yeah, you know, and, to, and the judge or the prosecutors is telling the judge that I'm a menace to society. I'm a threat to the community. Like all these things. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I've never killed nobody. I haven't hurt yeah. nobody. What do you mean? I'm a menace to society. I mean, they just made this picture yeah. of me like being the worst, the worst, right? Um, and I get it. It's business, right? So it's them to make the picture of me looking like the worst so that the judge will say, hey, no, we're not going to let him home. We're going to keep him confined in here because I tried to come home on home confinement. Yeah. And they confined me, right? Um, best thing, though, that ever happened to me. The best thing that ever happened to me in that process was to keep me in there because it gave me the moment of, okay, I got to figure this out. And not only I got to figure this out, I got to think about if I have the opportunity to get back out here, what am I going to do with my life? Right. Because right. I'm not going back there. I was already two years clean before yeah. they came and got me. So I know I'm not going back there. I got to figure this out. Right? right. So I got ended up going to federal prison and um, I was in Pensacola, Florida, uh-huh. uh, which is a camp, um, low security camp. And while I was there, I made a promise to my mother and my wife that I'm going to take full advantage of this. Um, So I read every book that I could read, every business book I can read. Um, I figured out, I just read, man. I was just reading. I went to these things called um, round tables, right? In the prison, we would have them every Tuesday night. I was the only black person in the room. Um, And I figured I'm like, you know, I'm not going to just come home and try to because like some people when you're in, when I was younger would go in and get incarcerated, they would come home from prison. They would be in the best shape of their life. They look right. like action figures. They're like, right. wow. It's, it's the men- and this is crazy because, man, the way you get caught up in that mentality, it's like it's stupid as it sounds like, oh, I almost want to go to prison just so I can be in good shape like that. Right. <laughs> stupid. All right. But anyway, I'm like, um, you know, I'm going to take advantage of this yeah. opportunity while I'm here. Right. So I did every round table. I sat, I spoke, I tried to meet people. I tried to take advantage of people. Even to this day, I'm still good friends with people that I met in Florida. Like I've been to Florida and we've hung out. We've yeah. been to wow. one of my closest friends I met when I was in there, um, lives in Jersey. We're tight to this day. We've traveled together. You know, we've done business together, you know, there and here. Um, so I've learned when I was there to take advantage of the time that I'm here. Cause at that point in time, I know I got five years. I know I'm not going to be in here forever and I got to come out 
And Did they I tell out, you that you had more years, but you could get off early? Was it 15 and you got off in five or was, was it a five and I knew it was five? Once I got once I got through all the process of the pretrial and all that, I knew I got sentenced to five years. OK, because sometimes they say you get sentenced for longer and they cut it back. But in federal, there's no parole. Uh, okay. In federal, that's normally in a state where you'll get 10 years all suspended, but et cetera, et cetera. But in federal prison, if you get 10 years, you're doing 85 percent of that. Wow. So you're doing eight and a half years. There are some exceptions where there's drug programs, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But for the most part in federal, if you get 20 years, you're doing 17 years, wow. you know, um, 17 years. That's it. Like you're not getting no parole and no wow. good behavior and none of that 17 years. Wow. Um, so what I got, but dude, I, I took advantage. I mean, I met people. I was in it. I was in there with, you know, Wesley Snipes accountant. Oh, yeah. Um, I was in there with, you know, the author, uh, uh, Grissom, Charles, what's his name? Charles Grissom. Uh, he's a big author. He's wrote a ton of books yeah. big, that turned into be movies. Like his, one of his best friends was the, like, I'm, there was, because where I was at in Pensacola, the Stewart there, it was like, right. It was like, it was that kind of people though. Like yeah. I met people that was there that were very, very, very wealthy people. Um, it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you this story real quick because I, I like to share this story because it had a very good meaning to me. Um, there was a guy that used to work there. Uh, worked. We worked in the kitchen. I worked in the kitchen, right? So it was this guy. Every day, I worked morning shift and lunch shift. So I would get up at five in the morning to do the breakfast, and then I would come back for lunch. Well, there was a guy who worked the lunch shift and the dinner shift older guy, and I cannot remember his name. I always forget his name, but he was from Tampa. But I didn't know who he was because he was very quiet and very low key. Didn't really speak to too many people. He would just read his paper. Um, but we worked the same line. We worked in the dishwashing line. Very old. So me and him just got cool. You know, we yeah. talked periodically, but nothing. Had, but I can tell he was one of those kind of people. He just wanted to do his time and he did not want to be bothered. Yeah. So you know, I respected that. But as time got on, I'm just like, you know, just trying to inch myself to see who he is, because I'm like, sure. just the way he moved, you knew he was somebody. Right. So I used to ask a couple of my friends and because we were in low security, you know, a lot of people had cell phones in there. Right. So they would do what they call they would Google fact people because everybody that comes to federal prison wants to act like some most cases more than what they are. Right. So. They Googled the guy. This guy owned, he was like a billionaire. He owned oh, yeah. hotels yeah. in Tampa. He was there for tax invasion. Yeah. But his tax invasion wasn't because he didn't have the money. His tax invasion is because he just didn't feel like he deserved to pay the government that sure. way. That's how right. Wesley Snipes felt. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so um, I cannot think of his name. But anyway, needless to say, man, the guy was just the nicest guy, the low key guy. Because, I mean, look, first of all, you can't, you can't be an ed wearing all this kind of nonsense anyway right because we're all we're all wearing the same thing yeah you know and that and that was a good example for me of how life is right because here i am in federal prison and i am with people that are worth 20 30 times more than i could ever have right i shouldn't share words i couldn't ever have but they're worth a lot more money than me right but we all share the same thing in common the same clothes we all can only wear gray or white t-shirts or, or gray shirts gray sweatpants or green khakis right that was our main outfits with green khakis and then our active wear was gray sweatpants or gray shorts with a white t-shirt or a gray t-shirt yeah we all was limited to the same amount of money every month we could spend in commissary and the same amount of money we can spend 
on the phone every month. So when I came home, I said, I'm going to keep the same mentality. I just come from somewhere where I could only spend $380 a month on the phone. I can only spend so much a month on my food and commissary. And I'm wearing the same thing. So when I came home, I knew I had a whole plan. I'm like, I'm just hitting the ground running. And um, I came home and hit the ground running, man. And what I did is when I came home, I came home to, you know, not much. And I used my resources. I went to the people that I know that trusted me and believed in me. Um, and I'm leaving out a lot in the middle of the podcast just for purposes of not wanting to be, you know, a long podcast. Yeah. But um, but I used my resources. So I went to like a mat and said, listen, Matt, you know what I can do. You know who I am. You know the kind of person I am. Because my integrity still was there with the people when I left. I ne- not, that part didn't lose, right? Because yeah. they knew that I was good at. And then you become, and I tell this to realtors, you brand yourself, right? Like the first thing you have to do in this business or any business, you got to brand yourself first. Most people focus on branding the company. Well, Matt, you can't raise capital if people don't know about Matt's integrity. You can tell me you got the greatest business in the world, but you, you need a million dollars, but I don't give a fuck about that, man. I'm yeah. looking at more. What about you, though? Because right. I'm really giving the money to you. Right. You're going to be responsible for it. Right. So that's where the branding comes in. Right? right. So when I came home, my brand, which I didn't notice at the time, I'm, I'm sharing this now because we've all put it together. Right. But at the time, I'm just coming home and saying, Matt, we were homeboys from back in the day. You know, how I am. I didn't owe you nothing. Then you don't owe me nothing. Now I'm home. I'm trying to get things back. Well, can you help me in this real estate business? And let's, you know, let's do it. Right. And here's what I'm going to do to do it. I'm going right. to give you XYZ back on your money. So I didn't started coming home. I bought my first house, flipped the house, um, bought another house, flipped the house. And what happened was when I came home, that was the whole social media was starting to take off. I came yeah. home in 2010. So the social media was starting to take off. And people were, you know, I think it was like MySpace was just starting to fade out. But Facebook was coming in. Instagram was just starting, I think. And I came home like, I'm not getting on none of that. I'm not dealing with none of that social media stuff. Yeah. I don't care about, I don't want the people in my business. I don't, none of that, right? <laughs> I'm seeing everybody showing what they're eating on here. Yeah. What they, I don't uh-huh. want to be part of none of that, right? Yeah. Um, but then I went to, I watched a YouTube or seminar. Well, I'm not sure what it was that I watched, but it was successful realtor talking about how, you know, part of being successful in this business, you got to, people got to know that you're in the business. Right. And what's a good way to know that you're in the business that's free social media. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I got to suck get it up. Here. Suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get on here. So I get on the social media, uh, Instagram or Facebook, whichever one came first and I got on it and I'm like, okay, but I'm still very hesitant about it because again, that's just not the way I was taught. That's not my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so I started off short with a here and there post and all that kind of stuff. And I said, you know what, now let me see if I, I like, I can't get my real estate license. Cause I'm in, I've got a conviction. I've got a felony. Can't get my license. What's the rule on that? Is there a certain number of years you have to wait or what's the. No, no, it's, it's a case by case. Got it. So you had to appeal and you had to. So I, right. So, well, again, rewind in 2005, I got indicted in February in 2005. In January of 2005, I was going to take my PSI exam. Yeah. So I had already 
started that. I had already started that to get my license. Um, January 2005, I was scheduled to take my PSI exam. No, I did go take my PSI exam. I passed my national, failed my state. So I was rescheduling to go in February and to take the um, the national, whichever one I failed. And to, obviously I didn't make it, right? Yeah. So when I came home, I was like, dude, I'm done on that. So the same cousin who introduced me to real estate, I was talking to him and, you know, he was like, dude, you know, you can get your license. I was like, nah, I can, man. I got a felony. He was like, yeah. I'm telling you, you can, man. I know people. And They're he done. named somebody in the business and was like, you know, such and such has yeah. a felony and he's a realtor. I was like, oh, really? He was like, yeah. So that kind of sparked me to go and get my license. So I went to school, you know, passed the class. And now I have to go to the commission board or send a letter to the commission board, along with the broker of choice that I want to be at, saying that they support me and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they gave me, they gave me my license, man. Wow, and um, awesome. it was great, man, because it was, it felt, it was like a moment of accomplishment. It was also a moment of, you know, something that I knew I was trying to do prior to all this nonsense. Right. And it's like, Life okay. continues. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I ended up getting the license. And when I got the license, I um, kind of went and was like, all right, well, now I got my realtor license, right? So now I got to get in the game. Now I'm, I'm only buying one house at a time, doing all that. For and yourself, I'm, right? Correct. Yeah. But I'm using other people's money. Like I'm using Matt's money. I'm using this person's money and I'm putting it together and I'm probably, they're making more money than I'm making on the deal, right? But I know because the hustle in me knows how it goes. I've done this before. I've been in this situation several yeah. times. I know how I get, I know how it is to get out the hole. You know, yeah, I know yeah. how it is to get out the mud. It's just determination and drive and grit, right? right? So, and I'm determined I'm going to get out of here. Right. And I got the wife like, listen, just keep doing you. Don't worry about this over here. Let me, I'm going to build this. Right. Yeah. You know, um, which, you know, got to give her a shout out because, you know, without that support, you know, uh, you know, it's, imp it's almost impossible to be here like that for me. Right. Cause she stuck with me through the whole way through this. That's, right? I mean, that's in incredible. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. She stuck the whole way through it. She got on the road. I mean, did everything, man. She's rolled with me, never turned her back on me, man. So I, you know, hands out, um, you know, much appreciated to her. And then I always try to remind her that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. So I got license um, and I'm flipping one or one house at a time, literally one house at a time. Buy it, wait till it sells, take that money, buy another one, wait till it sells. And I'm now getting on social media and now, you know, just posting the one house that I do at a time, because I'm yeah. not even really doing much in, in real estate. Right. You know how it is. Some people and everybody's different. For me, my first two years might have been like, you know, one rental, one sale, two yeah. rentals, one sale, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. So um, now, you know, the social media, you know, I'm getting more followers and likes or whatever you want to call it. But now the business, now I'm getting more inquiries, Eric, you know. What do, can you help me sell her investment property? Eric, can you do that? Because they're seeing me sell my one house at a time, right? But now I'm moving. I might be at two houses now. Um, so now, using you as an example, Matt, you come in and you say, okay, Eric, can y'all see what you're doing on social media? Can you help me? Sell? Okay, so now to the person that don't know, it's three houses at a time. But they don't know it's your house. They yeah. just see the house, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's now three. So my social media buzz is starting up. Then I'm getting the, hey, can you... Um, I'm looking to buy a house, you know, so now my business is starting to pick it yeah. up. Um, but the one thing that, you know, and I always share this with new realtors and, and old realtors too, man, because 
you know, none of we always got to keep our glass half full, right? Sure. So it's, it's it's we share it, we share each other for all of us to learn. But the one thing I try to remind people is the value in relationships. Um, and you know, I can't say that enough, man, because you know, my success came from not just my grit and hard work and all the, you know, support and all that, but it definitely came from the relationships that I've built over the years. Um, that is, you know, once I realized the importance of that, right. Cause again, going back to that lifestyle, you know, when I was doing great there, I had great relationships. That's how I was able to accelerate so fast in that business because I was able to make and meet certain people and built certain relationships that just anybody couldn't make right. or build there. Right. Um, and you know, that is what created me to be in a position where I can say, you know, Hey, I'm a top producer or they can award me as a top producer. Right. Cause honestly, and I know I read somebody posted the other day, um, you know, people say they don't care about numbers, but I care about numbers. Well, I can honestly say, I don't care about numbers to be honest, just for me. Um, and I can truly say that, like, I don't, I know that I'm not lying to myself. Like, right. I lied to you and sit here and tell you that I don't check to see where I'm at compared to last year. Yeah. yeah. But what I mean by, I don't care about numbers. Um, I'm chasing something a little bit different. You know, yeah. uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier for me, you know, I, the realtor is secondary to me. You know, the real estate investor is secondary to me. The reason I want to be on the podcast is not to give, I don't care if this never gives me a client, right? Yeah. The reason I'm on here is, is I'm hoping that somebody will listen to this who is in a situation or was in a situation like myself to say, yo, this change is possible. That's why I wear the logo, right? I also know that just because I was in prison, I was physically incarcerated. There's a lot of people out here that are incarcerated that are sitting right beside me and you, Matt. Right talking to the phone on us. We shake hands, our clients, our relatives, yeah. you know, um, maybe even our end of sales sometimes. Right. I, I just want to be that person to say to people, you can get out of it. You know, right. you just got to have the determination and the drive and you got to want to get out of it. a lot of people say they want stuff, but really don't want it. Yeah. And I, th I mean, your, your story, why I think it's inspiring for most of us. It certainly is for me. It's because I can take a lot of what you're saying. It's like the commonalities and the struggle that you had. It's like you had the right mindset. It sounds like what I didn't hear. I didn't hear you sound like a victim at all when you just shared your story. Like there, I didn't, does that make sense? Like they always say 100%. we can make ourselves a victim all the time. I think we do it occasionally. I don't, you didn't say it, but I can do it to myself. I catch myself doing it at times. And I, it doesn't matter where you are, how successful you are. You can feel like the world is against you at times. Yes. It just, I, can, I, I feel that trap sometimes, but I'm like, at least I'm cognizant to stop it and like, and recognize. That's important. Right. Like I, I've, I've, heard, I've, had, I've had real estate coaches, I've had business coaches, and they'll say it's impossible to, to fully train yourself to stop your first thought. Mm -hmm. But your second or third thought after that is very trainable. And that to me has like stuck with me. It's like we, it's the same thing. Some people can judge any of us. They can hold biases. They can write all these things that can be instant. And that's like ingrained in us sometimes. But your second thought is very much something you can power and you can power through. Like so, I'm sure in your, like when you first got incarcerated, I'm, I'm assuming woe is me, right? Like they shouldn't have locked me up. I know people doing worse and right. I've changed already. Like I'm assuming it's some part of you had to feel like a victim. Yes. And then it's like you have to work through that 
and well, get you to know the what? Side. That's that's a great point, right? Because yeah, that's 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 really great, right? And um, and the reason I'm saying it like that, right? I'm emphasizing it is really great because you're right. Um, what I had to realize once I got incarcerated that this is my fault. This is not has nothing to do with the people who could have helped the government get me here, or none of that. Yeah, you know that's that's the blame game. You know the hardest thing. One of the hardest things for a human being is to point the finger at themselves. It's so easy to point it at somebody else's house. We always want to relinquish our problems and faults on right. other people. Right. It's very hard to man up or woman up. Yeah. Right. It is. And like people say, oh, I can. I watch my little kids do that. They push the blame of that thing broke. Oh, they, they, oh, they did it. Like immediately. To your point, because we're trained like when yes. we're kids. That's the way we're we're taught to do. Right. Um, and I and I learned to. I'm, I'm like, I'm human like anybody else. Right. So I'm not perfect. I have feelings and emotions and everything else like anybody else has. But what I've learned and I'm getting better at is, is acknowledging where I fault at and move on. Right. You know, cause life is short. Right. And you got, you can't dwell, you can't sit in that space. And that's kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, when I'm telling you my story about me being physically incarcerated, but there's somebody can come right behind me, Matt, sit in the same chair and tell you about how they're being incarcerated right now. They're in prison. They're dealing with mental health. They're dealing with things that they're going right. through. They're dealing with relational things. They're dealing right. with their, their business is crumbling. Yeah. Interest rates are high. They don't know what to do. They're afraid right. that they're going to lose it all. You know that sure. it, it, you know, and that's for me, you know, I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but what I can do is, is I can tell you, Hey, listen, let me tell you how I got through mine. Right. right. A lot of prayer. Right. And then and look, you don't have to be the religious person. I'm not that religious. I'm not walking around with a Bible every day. That's not what I'm saying, yeah. but I do pray. I do believe in a higher being. Right. Yeah. So there's prayer, but then there's also mindset, right? You gotta, you gotta, you know, most of the people are in the situations that they're in because it's hard for them to change the mindset, you know? When you were at your worst time, whatever it was in your life, Matt, you know, the only way you got out of that was because you had to have that moment in your mind. Like I, enough is enough. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when people sit in there and talk about how they're having bad relationships with people, like it's like, OK, I'm listening to you. But you've been telling the same song right. to me for the last year. When are you going to open up and just like right. enough is enough and leave? And look, everybody has their breaking point where they're going to whatever it is. Right. So you're right. I don't I don't. I didn't play the victim in there. I did have that one moment, as you mentioned, where I was like, and I might even set it in here. I did say it in here. I said when the judge had that moment of, oh, the prosecutors was yeah. calling me everything under the sun, making me look like I was, you know, the Unabomber type person. Like I didn't kill thousands of yeah. people and all this. Like I didn't kill anybody. Right. Now, I will say is where sometimes I victimize myself. Is like, you know, just recently, right? I rode through Park Heights, right? And, um, you know, I'm looking at how horrible the neighborhood looked that I used to play in and part of. So I do have this moment sometimes of like, damn, I played a part in this, right? So, you know. You played a part in the demise of that yes. neighborhood? Yeah. However, the one of my visions and goal is why I focus a lot on a lot of my flipping is in yeah. Baltimore City because right. to me this is my way of giving back right. to a part of a city that I helped kind of demise. Right. So I can, you know, as much as I help bring it down, I'm going to do my job and help bring it up. And I will say given that most of us didn't join real estate at 18, this wasn't our dream or aspiration. You wanted to be an architect. I wanted to be in sales because of that one neighbor, right? That it was one like the one, it was, yeah. that guy is like it, that was a lot better than 
you know, shoveling shit on the, on the farm. And so it's like we all have that aspiration, but it's like real estate is such an interesting path because you can get a license relatively easily. I found out today you can get a license even after a felony, right? So it's relatively easy to get a license compared to most other things. Like it's harder to become an audio engineer like we're sitting in Correct. this podcast studio today than it is for him to become a realtor. It just is. It is. But if you do it and you have great – you have good internal uh, compass – and you have meaning behind what you do, the lives we can affect is enormous. That's it. And the path and the way people look at what we do, that's one of the things I never knew that people, not certainly not everybody, but there are some people that look at us, and I'm sure you and I are in the same camp because we've managed to make it to the more successful side of this business. You might not know the impact you have on others, and maybe you do. You just hit a hint on it. But sometimes I get caught up and I forget. I think of myself very low. I have very, you know, I'm very confident. But I, it's like a false confidence, if that makes sense. I still think of myself as a guy that doesn't belong. And I catch myself when somebody looks at me in a such a way that they think I'm the guy who made it. And they're looking at themselves lesser than. It's fascinating to see that. And it's and then it's my job to try to bring people up. And I've heard we were talking about comics and Cat Williams and all these people before the podcast. But it's like I admire those that have made it and they don't pull the ladder up behind them. But they put the ladder down to help bring the other people there you up. Go. There you and go. it's like it's like something is more powerful than it's like we need to stabilize ourselves, like put our own mask on first and you know that the plane's starting to lose yes. altitude. Yes. We if you're not successful, you can't help other people. If you go broke and you don't hustle, you can't help any. It's That's very right. challenging to help and to give back. You have to be successful. It's like a responsibility. In my opinion, I'm I am responsible to make myself and my family set. Because if I do that at a big enough level, the number of people I can bring up is exponentially expanded. That's right. Do you ever feel that responsibility to say, I've learned a little bit about this business. I have to do it. A hundred percent. For the people um, that might not know. A hundred percent. I I feel that I feel that um, all the time, right? I feel that where sometimes people will look at myself, and to your point, yes, I, I feel people will kind of, you know, give me more credit than I feel like I'm due. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just doing me. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I spoke at a, a, a realtor event a couple years ago and, you know, and it was the tagline that they, people use and sometimes will see me out and they're like, oh, I really respect what you said. And, and one of the things that I said was, um, you know, find your lane and work the shit out of it. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Do what works for you. Right. Right. Um, and that's all I'm doing. Right. So when people come to me and give me, you know, look, I, I, I never had, I didn't, I didn't play little league football, you know, I didn't have these things. So the awards that I'm getting now, like from a realtor standpoint, it's great in a sense because I've never had those kind of rewards, right? Like some, you know, my, like my son now, you know, I'm doing, he's doing everything I didn't do. Right. Right. And I'm making, and I'm making sure that he does everything that I didn't do and doesn't have to go through. And even if I left this earth today, he should be okay that he shouldn't have to do the things that I do. Right. Right. Did. I'm sorry. Um, but do you ever worry though, because you're giving him the things you might not have had that were almost ruining our kids in a absolutely, weird way? 100%. It's like he's not going to have to hustle That's and have that constant. mentality because more has been given to him. And you think of it like I think about that. That's a constant conversation in my circle of friends because you know when we're sitting around, we're looking at uh, uh, last year we went, uh, we took a, a very nice trip. Uh, we went to Thailand and Egypt, and we did this thing. It was a group of us. 
And um, and we had that moment as adults. Right. It's, it was like 20 of us. Right. So we we're all sitting there and we got the kids with us. Right. And we're sitting around looking at the kids playing. We're in Thailand and they're yeah. sitting around playing, running around. They, they have no worries in the world. Right. It's nighttime. Right. They're in the resort. They're yeah. running wild. They're probably the resort's probably ready to kick us yeah. off. They're having yeah. a good time. Right. But it's that moment we're sitting around and we're having a few cocktails and we're thinking like, you know, one, we're taking it in for ourselves and like, wow, yeah. you know. This is nice. We could do more of this, right? Yeah. But then there's that also a moment like, look at that, man. Like, but is this good or is this bad, right? Because, you know, not necessarily the trip per se, but the conversation of what you just said, like, yeah. are we giving them too much? You know, or, we, or we're not, or we're, or we're not getting, or we're not, are we giving them too much or they're not getting enough of, right? Because, you know, like I'm telling you my story and I'm getting, and I'm explaining to you how I believe I got here and able to sit down and have this conversation yeah. that you met and you and I talked earlier, you was explaining to me your upbringing and how you believe which helped your business and how you got to be here where you at. Right. But if you give somebody everything, you know, then what do they have to work? Well, that's for? why I, when I'm hearing your story, I'm trying to think to myself, what are the commonalities? And I think there's a certain humbleness that has to be associated with success. And I got that growing up because nothing is more humbling than swallowing flies while you shovel manure. Like it, <laughs> it humbles you. But I think you have to do that because like getting made fun of. This is like my version of like I get made fun of getting on the bus because I grew up on a farm. Like that was not cool. This right, is not right. a, this is not something you brag about at school when everyone else. I came from Howard County. It's a wealthy area. Right. Like it wasn't something I was proud of necessarily. And it keeps you humble for life. And so. You know, when you have your kid going to Thailand and you're doing this and that, it's you're nervous about the humbleness. And I love Shaquille O'Neal's words. He just said that he, he drives, he flies private, all this stuff. He reminds his kids, this is my money. money. That's right. I worked for this. You're, you're not go rich. Out there. You're, you're not that's, rich. That was That's his right. quote, right? That's I'm right. rich. You're not rich. That's right. But and I, I know we got to wrap up. I want to respect your time. But one of the things I want to make clear through this experience and you sharing your story, which I'm so grateful you did, it's like. That was your past who's helped shape you to who you are. But the, the reason you're successful, and hopefully you said you might not get business out of this, but I think you probably will. It's because of the humbleness and and the drive you have in the way that I think you do respect others. Like, I think that's evident, very evident from just listening to you speak and hearing your story. It's like, I think that is the thread as to why you were successful in the past 20 years and why you're going to continue to be successful is because that that humbleness and that drive, like, that's the type of people I want to be in business with. And I would think someone else is going to hear that and, and agree with me. Like, I'd rather trust you. I would rather trust you than someone that didn't share that story. Because you could easily lie or try to hide right, it. Right, right. Right. Instead of providing it as an example of this is something that happened to me and this is what I've done with it. No, I mean, you're 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 right about the humbleness. The, the, that's the upbringing, right? That's the, you're right, the humility, right? But I think with every successful person, humility has to be in there. I mean, you know, you can't. Um, you know, I, I know you're not on social media as much as I am, but I always try to make that a point to put in social media, but more for not more as a reminder to myself, but also to a reminder of, listen, you know, I see a lot of our counterparts, colleagues doing very well for themselves, yeah. but it's money isn't everything, you know, like it, it really isn't. And I'm not sitting here acting like I got all the money in the world, but what I do have is being what I've been through. And being around the people that I've been around, again, just going back to that, working, being incarcerated and being around very wealthy people and realizing that they have this, they were eating the same meal I was eating. They sure. were dressing the same way I wear, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
if anything, it just shows you that money isn't everything because money couldn't get them out of it. Right. You know, here I'm telling you about the guy that, you know, based on Google, he's a billionaire. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's still sitting in there with me. But what, what do these rich people say? I love talking to wealthy people because what they remind me, and I, I, by the way, I made sure to correct myself, rich and wealthy are different. But what wealthy people, what are they, what's their number one resource? Time. Right. And that's why incarceration ultimately is the worst thing in the world because they you take your time. time. That's right. Because once you reach a certain level of wealth, and I think we've probably managed to, uh, enough comfort in our lives, that extra percentage of comfort doesn't produce the same level that's of right. enjoyment. That's right. But when you're poor, money's it. That's all it is. That's all it is. That's all you can think about. And that's what you were describing. Like you saw someone with a better car, like, cause you were in your, like you didn't have it. Didn't have it. And so, but once, like once you reach it, it's like the next thing we can do is time. I constantly remind myself that with like my kids, like today I'll tell you it's my birthday. The only thing I think of, of what I would want is time with the family. Like my kids are still really little, like, you know what I mean? I just would rather have that experience and that time with them. But in your younger years, you would be out spending money. <laughs> I, I want to go out and have a good time, right? But And so, and I don't want like young people to hear this and say, I don't want to have fun. Like, no, you should. You, you, We all go through our different journeys of life, like, right? Like, I think it's natural, but be aware as you're doing it, kind of what you're doing. Be aware as you're doing it. And then, you know, because again, you know, and I'm sure I'm 45, right? Yeah. Um, that's not old, but it's not young. Right. So when I when I say that is right, because some people, depending on who's listening to this podcast, like, oh, man, you're young. Right. Yeah. But then there's some people that's going to be listening to this podcast like, no, you're old. Yeah. Right. So it all depends where your spectrum at. But here's what I look at it. Right. I at 45. Um, my my mindset is not the same as it was when I was 25. Right. My thought is not the same as my goals are not the same. Thank God for that. Right. For all. Not of us. at all. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So. You know, as you, to you, what you're saying, as you're involving in life, right, and you're getting mature and getting older and you're getting kids and family things to and, and your success, the business is coming right now. It's for me is, is to make the point of, hey, nothing. I'm look, I'm still a hustler. The dog is still in me. You know, I, I'll say this to anybody out here, you know, how I hustle most people out here. Right. I mean, yeah. but but now I know how to turn it on and turn it off. That's the difference. Back then, it was always on. Yeah. It was always on because I didn't have a child. I didn't have a wife. Right. I didn't have a family. I didn't have these things I wanted to do. It was always on. Right. The difference now is, is I'm like, okay, you know, like, so I just talked to one of my good clients today. And he was like, he's out of town. He's like, dude, what's going on? How you doing? I'm like, great, man. I was like, um, so how's the new year going for you? I was like, man, I haven't even really got started. Like these... Yeah. The first and second week of the new year for me is always the most laziest years of the yeah. year for me because really? I just don't feel it's like, you know, we got to get back to this again. It's like day one starting all over the race again. It know? does. Like the board gets wiped and yes. then you have to re get that motivation, that motivation, that energy. I'll tell you a little secret. And it's my little secret to myself. I want to hear it. Man. I just signed another really large lease. I just expanded. I, I increased sometimes my overhead. Okay. To keep the hunger and the fire. I like that. I know everyone wants to keep expenses as low as they can, but sometimes you increase expenses as long as they're within your technical budget. But I'm doing better and better, and so I want to keep doing it to myself to apply pressure to keep me out of my comfort zone. Yes. And another crazy thing I just did, I can't believe I'll say it online, but what the hell? I went, and instead of taking a smaller office like I was going to in this new office, I decided to do the asshole thing and tear down the walls. <laughs> and now I have a massive office. And it's just like, 
I, you know, it's like I want to have the mentality of someone that deserves to sit in that office yes. in that chair. And so when I'm there, I feel like a hypocrite. When I feel like I was the guy I was five there or ten go. years ago, I got to be the guy that deserves this office. I swear to God, that's but I why respect I did that though, Matt. And let me tell you this, and I'll share it offline with you um, because I have to. But yes, I understand your point, right? I understand sometimes. I always say, for me, the best is when my back is up against the wall. I, you know, I love putting myself. My friends will tell you, like I love, like I'm like always putting myself in pressure deals, pressure deals or deal or situations where you, you know, it's. You're not, hey, I'm going to spend all the money on a Ferrari and then I'm no. broke, that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know what? Normally the deals, like you said, getting a bigger offer space, right? Well, you could have probably just kept the one that you had right. because it was working fine. But now that's pressure for you to push even a little bit harder because right. you need that. That's your that's your comfort is the enemy of progress. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just, isn't it? It's, it's, comfort is <laughs> comfort is not good. I always say comfort. Where is comfortable? Think about it. Where's comfort good at? Even if you were sitting here, you're on the beach and I'm like, what are you doing, Matt? I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. Yeah, yeah. But is that really good? How long are you going to be there? Right. Like, how long are you going to be there? You know, you know, it's, comfort is not good for anything, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Using the yeah. word comfort is not good for anything. Yes. Going on vacation and having some short rest. It's time. We need it. Yep. We all need that. The right? recharge. Yep. But we don't want to be comfortable. What's right? funny is that same mentality. That's why I'm enjoying this conversation. Like I went and bought a cold plunge um, and- well, my ass is out there in 32 degree weather in this cold water in a bathing right, man, suit. I ain't going that far yet. I ain't, you gotta, gotta get back with you, you on that. Listen, the social media, you should see the people I'm listening to online. This is like what they're doing. And I did it and I continue to do it on a regular basis because talk about uncomfortable. I can say like, yeah. I like talk about it because it's like my, you know, my team probably says, shut up. You talk about a stupid cold plunge. I just got it a couple weeks ago. But it taught, it gets you out your mind. You do that in the morning before work. You are, you manage to do the hardest thing you're going to do all day before you showed up at the wow. office. Wow. And okay. it's like that mental thing. So you're welcome. It's not right down the road here in Lutherville. <laughs> if you want to try it out, but what the hell is this crazy guy doing? <laughs> well, you know what? I'll say this, man. I'll, and, I'll, and I'll end with this, man. At the end of the day, you know, for me, I'm with you. Like comf being comfortable is not good. In my opinion, you know, some people may feel differently and but, yeah. you, but you have to understand when we're sitting here talking about comfortable, we're not talking about in your bed under the snuggle yeah. blanket because it's a cold night that we're not talking about that comfortable. We're talking about being complacent. Maybe right. that's the word we should use. Right. Like nothing's good about that. Right. The other thing is, is nobody, sh nobody's going to push you as hard as yourself other than yourself. Right. Like I can sit here and say, Matt, I could be the drill sergeant. You need to get out there. You need right. to get 30 more calls and all that kind of stuff. Right. But. You know what you know what pushes me when you look like you said when you like you got to write those checks and you're right. like and you look at your bank account and you're just like fuck you know what I'm saying or when you know that you know business is slow and you right. still got to write the check right. that's that's the stuff that's the drive right I always tell people listen if you want Ferrari I want yeah. a Ferrari car you got to hustle for Ferrari money yeah if you want Honda Accord car you hustle for hundred and nothing's wrong with either one of them it's what you like right you know if you want the house in palm beach or you know siesta keys 20 million dollar house you can, that's attainable anybody any one of us in this room could get that right. but the thing is is you got to work that hard to get that right right for me i don't want that right now not to knock nobody that wants it that's just not my style i don't right. need that right so i'm hustling for what i want and my goals and dreams are maybe a little bit different than others. But I think at the end of the day, it's all the same, meaning in a sense where some people may want all the things right. 
I'm looking more of the legacy, right? I'm looking more of being that person where, you know, when I'm long gone, my grandkids will be thanking their grandfather for what he's opened up for them. That's right. it for me, man. Well, that let's end it on that because that is, this is powerful words. And I think, uh, you know, I just think your story is fabulous. I think what you've been able to do is is great and what you will do because we're not out of this business yet. So you'll be having no, a, lot of, a lot of opportunity well, in the future. I got 20 more years. There we go. So I appreciate you joining me today and thank you for doing this. And I'm sure we'll be back together at some point doing this Absolutely, down the road. Man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Right, thank Definitely, you. Man. Thanks. <laughs>